everyone. Welcome back to the CCO Follow Podcast. Last week, we introduced this new topic that we're going through, which is Christians and politics. And it, you know, we kind of gave a, a little bit of a explanation that this month is, it's kind of a serious month and there's going to be a lot of different words and, and ideas that we talk about that can be triggering to a lot of people. Uh, but we really want to address um, what we're supposed to do as Christians in society, in, in politics and all that, all that kind of stuff. So uh, today we're actually talking about um, the idea of this political climate that we're in, this political landscape. Mm-hmm. And there's some words associated with that. Um, and there's history associated with that as well. And so Travis and I have um, Tony on and we're excited because Tony used to actually be a teacher and he's all into history. And so hopefully we'll get some some good history uh, lessons taught to us today. But uh, just to kind of start out, I'm going to say this word, Christian nationalism. Two it's words, something, actually. Yeah, two <laughs> words, two words. <laughs> Christian nationalism. It's something we hear a lot today. Um, and <clears throat> there seems to always be this um, hijacking of definitions mm-hmm. and words. And so just off the, off the forefront, I will say... Um, there's, there is a difference between patriotism and nationalism Mm -hmm. and nationalism is like patriotism, but it's an extreme view of patriotism to the point of putting another group down. Yeah. And so based on the, the true definition of nationalism, like very much against it, it nationalism in, in, in no way, shape or form is a good thing. Uh, but there's been these definitions that have kind of diluted this word and shifted it and, and kind of become triggering for many. So Travis, give us some examples of what we mean by what we're saying here. Yeah. So, I mean, like just the first thing that came to mind when you were like, oh, patriotism, nationalism, it's Ron Swanson is patriotism when he's like, I love the United States and like, this is the great country and nationalism when he is, when he goes over to Europe and he just hates on everything. Yeah. Europe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the problem, like you said, with these words and so many words in our culture today is that they're being hijacked, redefined. And not even hijacked and redefined in a very particular direction, but like there's a plethora of definitions. It's not like they, you know, just, you know, moved it a different direction. They're actually forking it into like yeah. multiple definitions to yeah. where if you say a phrase, it could mean five different things plus like to just so many different people. Um, so if you actually Google Christian nationalism, uh, these are the first two definitions that, um, that come up and they're very different. Yeah. The first is that Christian, and this is the the Wikipedia definition, it's the very first one that comes up. Christian nationalism is a type of religious nationalism that is affiliated with Christianity. That seems pretty (laughs) obvious. It primarily focuses on the internal politics of society, such as legislating civil and criminal laws that reflect the review of Christianity and the role of religion in politics and social life. So basically this version of definition is basically saying you believe in Jesus, you're a Christian. And so the things you, uh, vote for the things you desire for the country are based on the beliefs of, of Jesus. So based on the ethics of Jesus, based on what the Bible says is good and not good. That's what you say is good and not good in your politics. So really it's just reflective of your belief, which that's literally every person in the world, their politics reflect their, their belief. The other definition that is uh, second when you Google this, 
is Christian nationalism is the belief that the American nation is defined by Christianity and that the government should take active steps to keep it that way. Popular Christian nationalists assert that America is and must remain a Christian nation, not merely as an observation about American history, but as a prescriptive program for what America must continue to be in the future. And so this is more of a uh, Christian nationalists believe that the government should be prescribing Mm. Christianity for all to believe and embrace. And that is uh, very similar to like we see in the Crusades. It's very similar to what we saw with like um, Catholicism in, in Europe, where it's like the Pope and the government were like essentially in bed together and like it was legislated, like you are part of our country. During you the Holy this. Roman Empire, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where it's like, you know, you believe this, so you should, you're part of our nation, so you should be a Christian. Those are two very different things. Yeah, yeah so it's interesting, the, the whole word, Christian nationalist or nationalist. Um, I think that it's a label that was, you know, it was given to, you know, kind of the, the Donald Trump wing of the Republican party Mm -hmm. in order to, uh, compare him to Hitler. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a label that was given to, to him so that they can associate, uh, this mega movement or this, this, uh, candidate and eventually the party yeah. as being the part of the party of Hitler because Hitler was a national yes. social, national socialist and so by taking that word to to the to apply to someone to, else to apply to yeah. that group it really be it was a way of weaponizing yeah, the language words, and yeah. so and unfortunately I think a lot of people said oh nationalists yeah I I'm for America yeah therefore I'm going to wear that as a badge yeah <clears throat> and not knowing that it would be used against them later yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so probably a better word for that group of people that are calling themselves. Uh, or maybe not calling themselves nationalists, but are calling themselves maybe MAGA, would be a populist. Um, so populism is more of what what <clears throat> is the what is the desire of the populace or the people, mm. uh, and how do they want to be governed, and how do they want to be ruled, and what kind of laws are they looking for? Mm-hmm. So uh, this whole Christian nationalism is. An, an unfortunate tag that yeah. that was that a group of people were labeled and and that same group and others picked up and said yeah we'll wear that but what it has done is it has allowed the other side to say oh well so was Hitler he was a nationalist yeah. you know yeah. and yeah. so was exactly. uh, Stalin and you know so yeah. which is is a is the precursor or a form of fascism yeah. so so uh, which does not describe the people i don't think who are in in that, that, in that yeah. community and that's why it's just it's it's dangerous and it's the enemy obviously wants mm-hmm. to yeah. confuse and cause all this destruction. And so we just have to be really careful. In general, that's why I try not to allow certain labels like that to be applied. Um, Whenever someone's like, oh, are you a Christian nationalist? Always ask, like, what do you mean by that? Because if they mean someone who, you know, believes that um, if you believe that Jesus says, you know, this or this or this, that you should vote that way to promote those things, then 
Sure, I guess you can specifically label me with that with that specific mm-hmm. definition, but I would not put my I would not say that's what I am. Yeah, and you know, in general, we as humans we try to categorize things with by giving definitions like that. But especially over the last you know fifteen ish years, we've started hijacking so many phrases left and right so quickly yeah. that you know you always have to ask, what do you mean by that? Like you're gonna you're saying I'm this, but what is your definition of that? Because usually it's not accurate. Usually they're just like you were saying, they're trying to put something on you so they can yeah. use it against you later instead mm-hmm. of just trying to accurately show your beliefs. Because when you accurately show your beliefs, most people honestly don't have much to argue against. It's when they have yeah. a scarecrow, um, straw man, sorry, a straw man, where they are able to throw a label on it and say, oh, that straw man, see, Hitler was that. And then mm-hmm. it's just, well, that's not well, actually and, what I believe, and, though. You know, you guys are young, and so to borrow the Ron Swanson. Uh, I know much more than you guys, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, when I, uh, as I was your age and my, you know, I guess Travis, you're now 30, right? Yeah. You're still in your twenties. Correct. So when I was in my twenties, um, you know, being part of Calvary chapel in every Calvary chapel bookstore before they all closed, because we got the internet, uh, they sold stickers. One Mm -hmm. of those stickers was the guy holding up his finger like this saying one way, one way to heaven. Yeah. One of the pop, very popular stickers that was on everybody's bumper was a rainbow because it, yeah. it, yeah. it promoted yep. God's promise yeah. to never flood the earth again and to protect his creation. Well, that, that's been hijacked, that, that's been hijacked. Been hijacked yeah. and it means something different. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when, you know, I was, uh, when I was a teenager, the term, uh, you know, you know, something that was bad was bad. Mm -hmm. But by the time I graduated from high school, man, if it's bad, it's good, you know? So, so words change and have different meanings. And so it is very important that we define what we actually believe and we define what, you know, ask people to define, what do you mean when you ask me, am I this or am I that? Yeah. You know, are you a Christian? Well, what do you mean by that? You yeah. Know, what, what are you asking me? Let me define my faith to you. Yeah. So it's very important that we, we parse those words, uh, accurately. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, that's really, I mean, unfortunately, like this shouldn't be happening. People should not be taking cheap shots by redefining words. That just shouldn't happen. Right. However it is. And so it's on us to make sure that we are the ones careful when navigating that minefield of yeah. conversation mm-hmm. to make people, make sure people are actually defining the terms, make sure people are actually, um, having to be intellectually honest in the conversation. Um, the documentary American Gospel 2, the second one in their series, um, did a great job of this, just to unpacking a ton of uh, words, whether it be love or sacrifice, uh, propitiation, all these different things have been hijacked to mean different things than they are. Um, and to say, no, this is what the actual meaning is and is we actually believe. And if you say it means this or you believe this, that doesn't line up with scripture. Yeah. And it's important that um, in all these conversations, we're always defining terms with people. Yeah. Yeah. And just for example, um, you know, one of the terms that have been redefined is the pronouns right now. I mean, if mm-hmm. we can go there a little bit, yeah. I was having a conversation with somebody and they were telling me that they were moving into their house. And I said, oh, okay. So it's these two people. And they said, no, it's just they. And, and I was really yeah. lost in the conversation yeah, for a confusing. while because it was very confusing because the term had been redefined for them, but had not yet been redefined for me. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, th- those are things we just got to watch out for and make sure that we're all on the same page. Um, it's sad that we're redefining yeah. language. Um, and it comes all the way over to, and you know, this may be going off topic a little bit, but hate crimes and hate speech, mm-hmm. you know, as, as we're redefining 
language, what is hateful today might not have been hateful yesterday or, you know, uh, or what, would have been hateful yeah. and just looked down upon as now considered a crime and criminal. Yeah. Which is very different. Yeah. yeah. The idea of violence and what is, what is violence yeah. and right. Yeah. So, and these things are, are entering into the political realm, even to the point to where, you know, there are a, a splinter group and it's a minority, but it's there nonetheless. And their voice is getting louder that says that the constitution of, uh, our country has been, uh, has, was written by, you know, white slave owning, uh, mean guys, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and it's like, well, really is that it, maybe they were white, maybe some of them did own slaves, but is that really, uh, worth saying that that's a hateful document because yeah. haters wrote it. Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, I would like to ask people who think that, you know, what would they have done if they found themselves in a place of privilege back, you know, 250 years ago when these things were being formed? Yeah. You know, uh, what would have been your attitude? And it's, and it's part of it is, is a morphine of culture. Yeah. We tend to adapt those things mm-hmm. in culture. And, and so those things are now entering the political realm yeah. and really making it difficult to have conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just, just to kind of throw this in there, it, you know, what, what's our response then? Like how should Christians act if we're, if we're not, you know, Christian nationalists and you know what, I, I think you gave a great definition, but how would we define that? If, if it's not Christian nationalism, what, what do we say here? Well, I think the first things that Christians need to do is realize that, uh, that, you know, if they're uh, born again, Christian, then they are in the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of America, mm-hmm. you know? And so first off is we are, we are not of this world. Yeah. We're, we're following a, a different King in our faith. That doesn't mean that we disobey our laws that we got to obey our laws, mm-hmm. but, but we don't put the weight of our existence and our happiness and our joy and our purpose yeah. into uh, what's going on in our country. Yeah. Uh, we Christianity exists on every continent of the world and they have very different political systems and Christians have been successfully able to walk a joyous, uh, uh, victorious life mm-hmm. in all, under all sorts of different yeah. political regimes. So that's the yeah. first thing that Christians need to understand is that my, my relationship with God, my faith, and my joy is not dependent upon... Uh, whether there's a Democrat in the office or a Republican or an independent Mm -hmm. or whether we change our constitution or it stays the same or what state I live in, Mm -hmm. uh, because there is a lot of migration going on right now between red and blue states. And, and so we're seeing more division, but that's not, uh, the realm in which we operate. We operate first in a realm of faith Mm -hmm. and, um, and we can take our faith with us even into the prisons or into, uh, the wilderness or, or into our homes. And we can take it into the political realm as well. Mm -hmm. But, but at primary is, is that we, we walk with Jesus. We don't walk according to the, what's going on politically around us. Yeah. yeah. I love the, the imagery of like us being pilgrims and sojourners. So we find like in first Corinthians, I think we also find it in Colossians eh, maybe, but first Corinthians definitely. And I mean, to just use a, like a very physical example, you know, like you were saying, we're the kingdom of God, not, of, not of the kingdom of this world. Um, but we're, we're pilgrims and we're, we're in this world and we know that we should desire the best things for this world. And, um, and so, I mean, just take it as if you're an American, but you're going to live in Europe for like 
two, three years and you get a visa and you live there during that time, you would desire the best for the country that you're in. Yeah. You, you would desire good things for Europe. You, and that kind of goes back to the nationalism thing, like not hating other countries. Yeah. Like, you know, you're there, you're living there as a pilgrim, as a sojourner. Well, you're not, because it's, it's, not, it's your, not, it's not the countries that we're talking about. It's the people. Yeah. Like we desire right. people. Yeah. But yeah. you would desire flourishing where you are and stuff like that. But if an America and Europe went to war or if America and Europe, um, saw really disagreement on different things while you lived there, you should, as an American citizen, desire America's best while you're there. If they were disagreeing, if they were fighting, if they were having issues, same thing. Like, we live here. We're sojourners. We're pilgrims. We should be desiring the best for the country we're in, for the place we live. But ultimately, when the God, kingdom of God and America clash, they don't line up. When they, um, when they don't represent God's values, we ought to be cheering for and and desiring the kingdom of God first, and yep. it's it's really no different. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're temporarily here, and we ought to bless and desire a blessing upon those we're around, um, which includes the whole nation and ultimately the whole world. Yep. But it's not it's not our first you know um, uh, alliance and allegiance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. Go, no, you go for it. So yeah, and within that respect, if you look at you know this whole thing of Christian nationalism. Um, to take that phrase and then and then to broad brush that label onto all churchgoers or all Christians is really kind of odd because yeah. if you look at the force in the, from the Western world, America in particular has sent out more missionaries to build hospitals and schools and water projects mm-hmm. uh, to all the nations, to yeah. nations that are uh, that are open, uh, a lot of African nations as far as bringing the gospel there, or even yeah. to closed nations, let's yeah. say the East Block, where we're smuggling Bibles in and, and giving people hope that their sins can be forgiven yeah. uh, in a place where it's absolutely uh, outlawed, or even into the East, where we're dealing with a, a totally different structure of religion mm-hmm. uh, that we either have to be able to break through those barriers or even in the case of China, where you risk your life going in and sharing uh, things of Christ and the Bible mm-hmm. in China. So so from an aspect of Christian nationalism, it just doesn't make sense to label the Church of Jesus Christ uh, as a Christian national organization. Yeah. 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 So <clears throat> you brought up this point uh, as you were going through those definitions of, you know, this idea that the United States was founded as Christian and so we should keep Christian values. And it yeah. kind of brings up this, this term of like separation of church and state. Yeah. What, what's the history behind it? How should we be thinking about this is, should there be a separation of church and state? Should we fight to not have a separation of church and state? Where, where are we at in this idea? Well, the first amendment we think of as a freedom of speech, but it's also mm-hmm. a freedom of religion. And yeah. it says that the state has cannot compel any uh, any religious structure on. I can't think of the language right now, but it's it, number one is this, there's no state uh, ordained or state mandated religion mm-hmm. for the United States of America, and that was really a federal policy. And so yeah. then there was a, a a dispute among some of the states: is can the states yeah. mandate some sort of mm. state sponsored religion? Yeah. And out of and that discussion, did. no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and out of that discussion, there was a Baptist church in Connecticut. The uh, 
I want to say Newberry, but it's not Newberry. Oh, that's what that was the um, Danbury Baptist. Danbury Baptist Church. They were a minority group uh, as far as in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and they were asking uh, Thomas Jefferson. They wrote to from Thomas Jefferson, uh, who was new president in mm-hmm. 1801. Yeah, um, you know, hey, what about this freedom of religion? What about state sponsored religion? Yeah. And that's when uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter back saying that there should be a wall of separation between the state and among the religion uh, uh, amongst the between state and religion. Mm -hmm. And so, so the whole point was not to tear Christianity out of the state, Mm -hmm. but that the state cannot compel Christianity. It's a Uh, one way form of Christianity. It's a one way wall. Yeah. It's not that the church or any religion cannot influence the the state because then you'd say a certain people group can't influence the state. Mm -hmm. It's not that church can't influence government. It's that government can't influence church, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that government is, is agnostic either Um, and can't have a role. Thomas Jefferson had freedom of speech as protected by the First Amendment, which also gives us the freedom of religion. Those things are linked. He presided over the largest uh, church service uh, during his administration. He was was the presiding uh, speaker and it was held in the Capitol building. Mm-hmm. He encouraged the the schools to use the Bible mm-hmm. as as their point of textbook, and and also um, as a as a governor, he uh, proclaimed uh, days of fasting and days of thanksgiving and days of humility as a practice within his state of so Virginia. So so it's not that it would be taking religion out of the government, but it's that. Government cannot compel you to uh, to, to walk certain, yeah. to their uh, sectarian views of religion or any other religion. Yeah. It's all voluntary. But that doesn't mean that those who are involved in government can't themselves express themselves through their freedom of speech and freedom of religion, mm-hmm. even on the hill of the of the many you know govern uh, state governors and uh, even in the White House. Yeah. yeah. But well, it's certainly, but it's certainly not uh, against uh, churches having or the people who make up the church to have uh, re- religious influence and like to use their religious views in politics because that's usually where it's attacked. Right, and in in all cases, most people have uh, a worldview. They yeah. might not be aware that yeah. they have a worldview, but they do has. have a worldview. Yeah. And it's, it's that, it's that framework by which we view the world. And yeah. so as, as Christians, as, as people of faith, as Bible believers, we have a frame that which we view the world. And, mm-hmm. and so that's going to affect our decision when we go to the poll. Mm-hmm. It's going to affect our decision when we're asked uh, by a candidate to ge- donate to their campaign. Mm-hmm. It's going to affect our decisions on how we discuss with our neighbors and how we feel about those in power in our communities and in our nation. Yeah. Uh, and we have that freedom because yeah. we have the freedom of speech and we have the freedom of religion. Yeah. But, but does that mean that we desire a mandated religion for the United States? Mm-hmm. No, but uh, but I do think that we need to speak up and let them know about the heritage of our of these United States and yeah. how they were founded on the Judeo Christian ethic. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it kind of brings me back to the conversation we had with Tad. He said that um, there was a phrase, and and you had said. 
uh, a person's a person no matter how small. Yeah. But he was saying this phrase of a, what was it? It was a, a person who is forced or forcibly. Oh, a person um, who's, a person who's like basically forced to believe something still doesn't believe it. Yeah. But it was, but it was a really cool <laughs> yeah. way of saying and, it. And, and I think this is exactly what we're talking about is this idea of, because we have that first amendment in my mind, that is just freedom of a worldview. It's yeah. freedom that gives us freedom to have a different worldview than, than others. And that we, you know, because we can vote and because mm-hmm. we can participate in an electoral system, it's kind of, sh- it's allowing our worldview to influence. In well, certain in, the, in the fourth century AD, um, Constantine, uh, declared Christianity as a Roman state religion. Mm. Uh, and it was probably one of the worst things that happened to Christianity uh, ever because what ended up happening is all the priests of Zeus mm-hmm. took off their their uh, vestments yeah. and put on Christian vestments. Yeah. But still uh, believed. But still, yeah. Yeah. but had no faith in God. Yeah. And so it was just a matter of, oh, well, I'm a state employee and, and yeah. now my job description has changed, so I'm just going to take off these vestments and put on new vestments and and try to practice whatever the new religion is yeah. without having any real faith or yeah. belief in that religion. Yeah. So so you know it, compelling people to to a certain religion does absolutely no good. Yeah. 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 No, and I think that's important to remember even as like we are the Christians in our country of that sometimes you do hear people who are just desperate for what they would view as good change and they stay and maybe even slightly believe, but they haven't thought it through of just like, I just wish that, you know, this law to be passed or that law to be passed. And it's like, you realize it wouldn't change the hearts of people. Like you might restrain them a little bit more, but that doesn't change the hearts of people. And just the same amount of damage will still be done. The same amount of, you know, lost souls will still be done. Um, And people might even in a certain effect, just believe themselves to be a little more ethical where that doesn't drive people to Jesus. Yeah. Not (laughs) at all. So it is, we just be putting people in, you know, fake robes of righteousness and patting them on the back and pretending along the way. So honestly, in some ways us not being known as a Christian nation actually allows for help of the gospel actually go forth instead of people just saying, I mean, you have that crisis in the South where it was like, it was culture. You were a cultural Christian. Mm-hmm. And so you'd so many people who were like truly not saved yeah. and going to hell. It's not just the, the South it's, it's everywhere, but it, that was a really well-known place where everyone is a cultural Christian. You don't even know who to witness to at that point. You don't even know who to pray for because everyone just says they're a Christian and there's a lot of lost people who are believing that. Yeah. And, and yet, at the same time, we do get the we do have a voice in our country, mm-hmm. uh, and that voice with that voice and our constitutional rights comes responsibility. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I do think that we have a responsibility to push forward and vote for good laws, good governors, oh, absolutely, good senators, yeah, good uh, representatives, and and ultimately a good president. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, we we are often having to choose sometimes between two evils, yeah. but yeah. there are bad laws out there. I remember uh, when I was a high school teacher, we were talking about law, mm-hmm. and uh, somebody asked me to give him an example of a bad law, and I said, "Okay, well, there's," um, and I'm trying to think of the guy's name. It was it was kind of at the precursor to the Black Lives Movement, but there's a gentleman who was selling cigarettes. He'd buy a pack of cigarettes and he'd sell one cigarette at a time, which was illegal. And he was arrested for it (laughs) and they put him in a headlock and he ended up passing away uh, during that time. Um, And so that's a bad law. You know, here they are, you've got a, a, a 
person who's living on uh, in poverty, mm-hmm. and he's he's trying to do what he can to you know buy a pack of cigarettes and break bulk and sell one at a time in order to provide for himself and maybe his family. Maybe cigarettes aren't the most ethical thing you can be doing out there, but at least he's yeah. enterprising. And so they make a law that you cannot do that, and then he gets arrested, and in the process of arrest, he resists, and in the resistance, he loses his life. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a bad law gone even badder, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. if I could use that term. Yeah. So there are bad laws out there. Mm-hmm. And and we need to take responsibility uh, our seriously, our responsibility seriously, and try to vote for mm-hmm. good laws because yeah. there are good laws and there are bad laws. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's kind of the same debate with the Constitution as well. Is like this idea that we're the Constitution is founded on principles and how that gives the freedom to like put common sense into what we're talking about, yeah. and that that's I think that's important, and so. But we're talking about laws. What are we have this kind of idea of like there's God's laws and then there's also like our laws that we're in now. How do we as Christians because Tony, you mentioned it too, you know, we're we're citizens of a different nation, mm-hmm. but we still follow we still have to follow the laws here. But mm-hmm. how far does that go and and how far should we go with it? That's a good question. Uh, I think it's Acts chapter fourteen. No, it's sooner than that. Maybe it's eight. Uh, Peter and John are arrested for uh, for healing a man uh, at the temple, mm-hmm. and uh, and so they're arrested, and then they're uh, brought before the Sanhedrin, and they're told, "Okay, you guys can go, but no longer." preach in, in the name of Jesus, in mm-hmm. this man's name. Mm-hmm. And, and Peter stands up and says, uh, you guys judge between yourself. Is it better for us to obey man or mm-hmm. God? And so when there's a direct commandment by God given to us mm-hmm. uh, that conflicts with the man's law, yeah. then we are to obey God. Yeah. Uh, now, in, in most of those cases, it, it, it has nothing to do with, it, it'll never have anything to do with killing somebody. It'll never have anything to do with, with uh, you know, avoiding taxes or, you know, being, oh you know, <laughs> I know right? r- ripping apart, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, thievery or any of those type of laws. They're more of laws of conscience and freedom and, and usually dealing around speech mm-hmm. is where we're going to run into those. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, when, but when there is a direct conflict of, mm-hmm. of, of law like that, we need to obey God rather than men. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's, that's where I see that conflict going. Um, Just, but it's, again, it's generally those aren't going to violate laws uh, against your neighbor. They're only going to vo- violate laws of conscience. Mm-hmm. So really what the state is asking you to do is to violate your conscience. And God is saying, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I could absolutely imagine a time. I mean, we saw it with, um, with China where they had their one child rule and literally you're supposed to kill if you had a second child at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that would, I think be a really good example of like, that is, you know, literally told to, kill someone. And it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, another case that I think fits really well with the example you gave where it's, it's more about conscious, like what is right and wrong is, um, in Florida, when we lived there, there was a, a man, just a couple cities, uh, South of us who started feeding the homeless. There's nothing illegal about that. Um, but he got arrested anyway. And mm-hmm. so put in jail, you know how like there's the technical rule where like they can put you in jail for a day and then they have to release you if you don't, you haven't done anything. So they release him, but they told him you need to stop feeding the homeless. And he just kept feeding the homeless. So they put him in jail again. And they said, you know what? You need to make sure you get a a food handler's card. 
So we got a food handlers card, kept feeding the homeless, put them in jail again. Mm-hmm. Like, and it just went on as they kept tacking on, well, you need to do it this way. You need to do it this way. And eventually they were just like, we just don't want homeless here. You have to stop feeding them because then they'll leave. And he's just like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. like, and cause that was a whole thing happening in Florida where literally they bust all the homeless from one city to another and just go in a big circle. And, um, you know, again, that kind of falls under the, he tried to obey government as far as he could. When they said you have to get food handlers license, he did. When they said mm-hmm. you have to do this, he did. But when it came to the point of, no, you're simply not allowed to yeah. give people food, he said, I'm sorry, I'm going to give them food. <laughs> and, um, and so I think that's a good example because he obeyed as far as he could. Mm-hmm. And as they kept raising the bar, he kept meeting it um, to be legal as long as he could. He didn't just say, no, I don't care. I'm not going to obey your law of food handlers cards or not obey your law of how it was prepared and not obey your laws about this. Um, he kept following those as ridiculous as they were. Um, but then when it finally came down to the, we just don't want you to serve and love this group of people, he said, I'm sorry, that's, mm. that's too far. Yeah. Well, I mean, the greatest commandment uh, for all Christians is to love, Yeah, you know, and how do we express that? And, you know, I think a good part of that is, is, you know, when I vote a certain way, because I believe, I hope, and it's, and it, and it should be my every thought is I'm voting this direction because I love my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And I believe that this law will, or this, this, uh, you know, leader mm-hmm. is going to love by voting for that person or for that law. I'm going to love my neighbor yeah. um, best that way. Yeah. And that's part of why we get differences is that people have different visions of how to love the neighbor best. Cause mm-hmm. rarely is the argument of should homeless people be fed? Should um, homeless people be living on the streets? Should like rarely is the argument about like, there's there's no group out there being like we want more homeless people on the street like no one's no one's promoting that yeah. no one's voting for that but the question is how do you solve that yeah and so that's where the big thing comes that's that's where it all comes down to is like where how do you foresee a, obtaining realistically to that point of human flourishing and well, that's why there's differences in opinion yeah and that's why I have a hard time calling myself a Republican or a Democrat because mm-hmm. yeah. I I see that when you look at God's law and the scriptures say that God's law is perfect reviving the soul so when you look at leviticus law or some of the laws and numbers and deuteronomy you and and see how those are played out like in the book of uh ruth for example Mm -hmm. there's three laws that are explicitly played out and that one is the law of the leverite the other one is the law of gleaning the other one is the law of the kinsman redeemer Mm -hmm. and all three of those laws uh let me think if all three of them Law of the Leverite, love clean, yeah, and yeah. law of kinsman redeemer are a safety net yeah. to stop generational poverty. Yeah. For example, the law of gleaning allows somebody who has fallen on hard times to go into the fields and, and gather food for themselves. Mm-hmm. They were the, if you were a, a landowner and you weren't, uh, and you went through your harvest, you were only allowed to go through and harvest one time. You couldn't go back and do a second harvest. The second harvest was for the poor mm-hmm. where they can go in. They had the freedom to gather up what was left behind. Um, and that law did two things. It allowed the poor to eat and it allowed the poor to have dignity because they got an opportunity to work for their food. Uh, the law of the Leverite was a land division where, um, where if, um, if there was no male, 
within um, a family and they lost their land, it allowed that family to regain their land mm -hmm. by uh, having a brother or sister produce an heir for you. Mm -hmm. So it was a it was a it was a law that if if for some reason the patriarch or head of family, which was at that time was attached to the male, mm -hmm. uh, if they lost their property and there is no male heir, then an heir can be produced so that family can gain their land back. Yeah. So that there would not be generational poverty. Yeah. Okay. Not that there wouldn't be poverty, but there yeah. wouldn't be generational poverty. Yeah. And the same for the uh, law of the kinsman redeemer. If mm -hmm. you sold your land or lost your land because of a poor decision or because of circumstances, then a near kinsman, a, a relative can purchase that land back to your family for you. Yeah. And actually not just could purchase it, but had the responsibility to purchase yeah. it. Yeah. And, um, and that way, again, you wouldn't, by my bad decision, wouldn't impoverish or my bad luck <laughs> or bad luck. Yeah. My bad decision or bad luck. I would, I would not, uh, push my children into perpetual yeah. poverty. There was safety nets to, to allow people to get out of that. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have safety nets here. And I, and I do think that sometimes one conservative party might be a little harsh on some of those laws. Yeah. Another one too lenient. Uh, and I think we try to do our best, but but we don't have the perfect law like God had yeah. in yeah. order to prevent generational poverty. And so it's yeah. it, it would be nice to be able to find that proper balance. Mm -hmm. And that's why I can't call myself a Democrat or a Republican. I, I've got to be independent because I see laws coming from both sides that if maybe this law is better than the left law is better than the right law or the right law is better than the left law. And I I've got to be able to vote, yeah. be, keep the freedom to vote either way. What would be nice is sometimes to blend some of those laws and get it balanced like God has in his Levitical law. Yeah. yeah. Well, and one of the unfortunate things that happen about, um, you know, no matter, even if we reinstated some of those laws today, like taking God's perfect law for them, um, we don't have some of the underpinning that actually makes it work well. Right. Like, and right. that's, and so that's one of the, that makes it even harder <clears throat> to create laws that really fulfill mm. these roles because we don't have the, the built in community and other, other things that, actually make it really work, which God instilled for a reason. Well, and culturally we're very different, so we can't even look. I mean, we don't, uh, although some will claim we have a highly patriarchal society, yeah. our, our society is not like it used to be. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, males and females alike can own property, mm -hmm. um, and hold jobs and do commerce where, you know, uh, you know, 20, or 3,500 years ago, that wasn't the case. Yeah. So, so, you know, we're in a different place culturally. And not only that, we don't, as citizens, we don't have the opportunity other than maybe referendum or some other things to really write laws. That's done yeah. by our lawmakers. So we just, if we're well-versed in God's law, then we can say, you know, when a bill comes up, we can say this is a, uh, this bill will help or this bill will hurt. Yeah. We vote for the bills that help and we vote, vote down the bills that we feel will hurt. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And the hard part is that help and hurt. You have to take the long view. Yeah. Not, a lot of times people take the short mm -hmm. view of like, Oh, this helps or hurts in the, you know, six month range. It's like, does that help or hurt in the 10 year range yeah. in the 20, 30 year range? And a lot of people don't think about that, but God's well, laws have all those things in, in mind. Student loan forgiveness is a good example of that. It would help a lot of people in the here and now. And yeah. I am very sympathetic to those who are, uh, in debt for 
for their education. Uh, but yet, what's that, what's that going to do for my grandchildren or your grandchildren uh, in the future? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then, you know, sometimes laws like that, let's say debt forgiveness is, is great for the moment, mm -hmm. but what's going to happen for the next, uh, in 10 years from now, when the next group of people are going through university, are we going to yeah. have to do it again and again and again? So, so you got to take a look at what sometimes the underlying causes for some of yeah. these things. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like we've covered quite a bit, actually. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that we got through most of that, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us some of that, that history of, of things mm -hmm. and in that wise, you know, you know more, uh, <laughs> but, uh, thank you so much for listening and, and joining with us today. Um, I, I honestly don't really, I'm not sure what next week is going to bring, uh, but we're excited to keep kind of rolling through, you know, what it means to, mm -hmm. to be a Christian in society and in politics and, and what we're to do with that. So thank you so much, uh, and we hope to see you next time. As always, God bless.